0: Well, this is uh, really unusual, unique. I've actually been a youth pastor for 45 years. That doesn't really mean anything except for I'm old, um, because it just doesn't seem that I've been doing it that long. But um, this is the first time in 45 years I've had the chance to uh, speak to the seniors. I don't know how you guys got so lucky as this, except as to say that uh, Catherine Rowe graduated from medical school and they had to go to Disney World. So that's what happened. You know, That's kind of why I'm up here doing this. And uh, I appreciate all y'all that helped in the service, seniors. And I especially appreciate the students that uh, did the special music. Uh, These students have been leading our uh, Wednesday night, our youth enjoy explosion for the last uh, several years. They're going to be actually doing the music tonight. I have no idea what's going to be happening in the service, but I promise you it'll probably be about as tame as this, so don't freak out and go, oh, we're having a rock concert. I saw they're doing my favorite song, Um, you know, so I'm kind of excited about that because I love that song, so we'll just see what happens tonight. But I am excited about being here to share with you guys today, and um, it's really kind of unusual, too, just so you adults will know, that really this sermon is written and Really directed at our seniors. It doesn't mean you can go and take a nap. I mean, you could. A lot of y'all do that anyway on Sunday morning. But uh, you know, but really, if any of you guys wearing the blue robes down here take a nap, uh, I might come down there and 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 shake you a little bit because I really have something I want to share with you guys this morning. So let's have a word of prayer and we'll get started. Uh, God, if there's anything that you want to share with our seniors this morning, I pray that you would uh, open their ears, God and use me, Lord, if there's uh, some way you can use me and use your word because it's more powerful than any words I could say. And just speak to our hearts this morning, Jesus, and we thank you and we love you. Amen. Uh, I'm going to start with a little story, per se, that's Actually, this is a little disclaimer. It's actually in a book that I wrote, and I think we sold like seven copies of that. So somebody in here might have actually bought one of those. So you might have read this. So if you say, well, I've heard that story before, I promise you, most people have not bought that book. Uh, So anyway, and, uh, you know, there will not be any books on sale tonight. So you'll have to wait till some other day. But this, uh, when I was in college, okay, when I was in college, my sophomore year in college, I started dating this girl, and uh, her name was Gwen. And we dated for three years. Now, just as a disclaimer, uh, that was before I met uh, Dana. There was, I know there was no Dana in my life, so that's another part of my life. And, uh, oh, by the way, I I did have to throw this in there. Wayne can't be here, but he texted me yesterday and told me not to throw in any shameless plugs about my grandson who was born on Friday. And uh, I will just say this. He is so good looking, but thankfully, he looks like his dad and not like me. So uh, I've got a really uh, handsome son-in-law, Russ, so they're all doing real well. But back to my story, before Dana, there was this girl named Gwen. And we dated three years, and during that time, uh, I began to fall in love with her. It didn't happen at first. I mean, it took a little while, but after a while, I began to fall in love with her. and, And I felt like she was in love with me, and we used to talk. This is probably not a good thing to do, and this is a warning for you guys. When we were dating, we used to talk about what it would be like when we're married. Not what it would be like someday when we're married to somebody else, but what it would be like when we're married to each other. I don't know why we were talking about that. It was kind of a dumb thing to do. Well, anyway, I graduated from college, and I'm sitting here going, man, now I'm out of school. I'm in love with this girl. I've been dating her for three years. Now it's time for me to like, you know, do something that's really, really hard for me. You cannot believe how hard this was for me, I felt it's time to ask this girl to marry me. So I had a couple of times I was gonna do it and I kind of chickened out. And finally, finally, the day came, I said, man, this is gonna to happen today. So we went out to eat and then I took her back to her house and, I, and we walked her up at the door and, and right before she went in, I said, Gwen, there's something I gotta, I gotta tell you. I gotta ask you, whatever. So then I told her that I loved her, which I'd never said that to her, although we talked about being married. I said, I love you and I want to ask you to be my wife. And she kind of looked at me like she didn't really know what the question was, you know, and that's not a good sign. And so I'm going, okay. And she goes, uh, I mean, I didn't say, okay, I'm just sitting there. And then she says, I don't know. Now, let me tell you guys something, girls especially. If a guy asks you to marry him, you can say yes or you can say no. Okay. A matter of fact, a lot of y'all should say no. Don't just say yes just because the guy asked you. That would be a dumb thing to do. But she says, I don't know. It's a yes or no question. You know, it's like, will you marry me? Yes or no? You know, check one of these boxes. I should have just given her a little note. Check a box, you know. So she says, I don't know. Well, I, I thought she was going to say yes. I had not even really rehearsed what I was going to say if she said no. I had it all figured out what I was going to say if she said yes. So, as I don't know. So I didn't know what to do at that point. So I did something else that was really dumb. I should have, if I had any pride in me, I should have just said Forget you and walked away. But instead, because I did love this girl, I said, uh, uh, okay, I tell you what, I'm going to give you a month to think about this. Okay, a month. That was dumb too. I should have given her like a day. I should have said, I'll, I'll call you tomorrow or whatever. I'm going to give you a month to think about this. Now, it just so happened there was no cell phones in that day. And, uh, and I was going to be out of town most of the next month anyway, just what was going on in my life. So I said, I tell you what, I will meet you back here in, in one month on August the 10th 7 o'clock, right here, this location, and I'm going to ask you the same question. So a month goes by. Now, during that month, I'm thinking, surely the girl's going to come to her senses. I mean, she's not an idiot. You know, I mean, like, you know, surely she's going to come to her senses. So a month goes by, walk up to the door, knock on the door. She comes out. Now, I don't think this part's in the book. Um... She was one of these ladies that fixed her hair a lot of different ways, okay? Which is really cool with me. But there was one way she fixed it that I really, really liked. And I told her that on many occasions. And when she comes to the door, she's got her hair fixed just that way. I'm thinking, oh, this is a piece of cake, you know? And then there was, she was wearing a dress and... Um, and she was wearing the dress I told her, I really like that dress. I mean, I don't know if it was her favorite dress that she had for me or whatever, but I said, I really like that dress. So she's got on the dress, she's got the hair. I got reservations at a hotel, not at a hotel. No, I had, I had reservations at a restaurant. No, we didn't have that part yet lined up yet. I had reservations at a restaurant, and we're all set to go. The sermon may have just ended right here. Okay, so we're all set to go, and so. I said, Gwen, will you marry me? And then she got this blank look on her face like this question came out of the blue, like she hadn't been thinking about it for a month. And she just looks at me, and finally she says, I don't know. And I'm going, what in the world? A month? And you still don't know? And then I said to her, I said, you know, Gwen, if it's I don't know, it's no. And I turned and walked away. She lived up on top of Big Hill, and I walked down all the way. Couldn't hardly make it to my car. I was crying so bad. I almost fell down her, down her big... Uh, stairs there and whatever uh, steps. And I've never seen that girl since then. That was it. Now, here's the deal. Why did I tell that story? I didn't mean to make it that funny as it turned out, but why did I tell that story? Because sometimes, guys, you have these hopes. You know, you just have this hope and you just know it's going to happen And you just really, you just got your whole idea about what your life is going to be like. And you have dreams. And I've envisioned us growing old together and having kids together. They wouldn't have looked as good as the kids I got now. But, you know, I mean, like all these things, all these dreams and hopes and whatever. And it's based on a false premise. And it all comes crashing down upon you. And I believe that that's a lot of times what happens to people even when they're graduating. You know, they got, man, you're a graduate, you're on the top of the world, things are gonna go great. And then like, you know, a year from now, you're going, oh my gosh, I thought this was gonna be the greatest thing ever, and it's not. It's not even close to the greatest thing ever. So this morning, what I wanna talk to you about is where is your hope? Now, if you have a Bible, I want uh, y'all to turn to 2 Corinthians 3, 7 through 12. And the sermon is real simple. I'm gonna share with you, first of all, what some false hopes are that are out there today that a lot of y'all may even think, boy, there's my hope. And then I'm going to share with you what I call the original hope. And then I'm going to share with you what is the real hope. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to start by talking about some false hopes and, uh, You know, I don't know, this may get me in trouble, but this is, some of this right here is not from the Bible, it's just the way I feel. But I am kind of, once in 45 years I get to do this, and so 45 years from now I'll probably do it again. But um, anyway, here's the false hopes that you guys fall into. The things that people hope in that are really actually false. The very first thing is education. You know I mean? Like you're going to hear as you graduate all this stuff like, man, now you've got your education or your continuing education, education. Is the greatest thing ever. Now listen, I highly encourage you to go to school. I highly encourage you to go to college. I encourage you to do well. I encourage you to get a graduate degree. I encourage you to get as much schooling as you can possibly get. Okay? But I want you to know that education will not save the world. Education won't save you. As a matter of fact, education probably won't even make you a better person. Let me just give you some examples. Um, ISIS. I've heard this on TV so many times. The reason that all these people are joining ISIS is because they just don't have education. If we could just educate all these people, then we wouldn't have any problem with terrorists and ISIS and all that kind of stuff. And I was, I was reading this week. I, wanna, I don't usually uh, quote. I usually try to remember, but I want to read you this quote uh, that I read uh, this week or last week or whatever by a guy named Jake Novak. Now, Jake Novak is a commentator or whatever, and he works for CNBC. I mean, we're not talking about a Fox News guy here, okay? You know what I'm talking about? This guy's kind of liberal. Here's what he says. He says, uh, The reason people join ISIS or any other terrorist group is not because of lack of education or economic conditions. I mean, that's what they've been telling us. It's not because of that but because they have no purpose in their life. Basically, because they have no hope. As a matter of fact, I read another study that said, and it's kind of hard to tell because we don't know exactly the members of ISIS, but that probably the people that are in ISIS are more educated than the general population of their region. It's not because of lack of education. As a matter of fact, we are the most educated group of people in America right now that's ever been an American. When I was in high school, way back, you know, kind of like when Lincoln was president, when I was in high school, um, it was really not that common for people to get a college degree. A lot of people just graduated and they went to work or they went in the service or whatever. And, And, you know, a lot of people went to college, but it was like a college degree. That was like, man, that almost was like your ticket to everything good. If you get a college degree, you're gonna get everything good. Today, y'all, we've got more college graduates in this country than in the history of this country. Now, do we really think that our country is better off now with all these college graduates? Is it really better off? I would submit to you that in a lot of ways, our country is not better off, that all this education has not really saved us or even made us a better country. I read this the other day it's kind of sad. You don't hear much about this, but there's a overdose to prescription pain medication, things like uh, Vicodin and, and, uh, and stuff like that. There's an overdose to that once every 19 minutes in our country. That's epidemic, y'all. I was reading, trying to find statistics. They don't know exactly, but there may be as many as 50 15 million people in this country addicted to pain medication. All of this has come about in the last 15 years, and the thing that, that the reason I'm sharing this and pointing this out to you is this: that most of these people that are addicted to prescription pain medication are educated people. It's not like, this is not the kid that drops out of high school and smokes a little marijuana, you know, living in his apartment somewhere and doesn't go to work or whatever. These are people that are functioning people that go to work on a regular basis and yet they're addicted to prescription pain medication. That to me says education is not the answer. So the first thing that we do have a tendency, and again, you know, you guys are graduating, but don't put your hope in education. Because it will not save you. It will not save the world. And it's not going to probably make you a better person. The second thing that we have a tendency to put our hope into, boy I can really get in trouble for saying this, but like I said, 45 years, I've got a lot to say, okay, Uh, is government. When I was in college, I did something that I would encourage you guys not to do. I majored in political science. I mean, really, I wouldn't, I wouldn't wish that on y'all. But I majored in political science when I was in college, and we had a course in college. It was called The Evils of Communism. That was actually a course in my college. I think today you wouldn't find that, co- that course on most college campuses. You might find a course, The Evils of Capitalism today, but we had a course, The Evil of Communism, and I can remember studying, reading this stuff. I didn't really know much about communism until I took this class. And when I got finished studying, and I came to this conclusion, I said here, at least in my mind, So said, here's the difference between communism and capitalism or communism and democracy. The communist form of, of government wants to control every aspect of your life. They want to control where you work. They want to control how much money you make. They want to control your health care. They want to control your, your means of transportation. They want to control every single area of your life. They're, they come to you and they say, we will give you security in, in exchange for your freedom. Now, when I studied that, I said, man, I'm so glad I don't live in that kind of a country. But I think a lot of the guys that I went to college with that studied that said, man, that's a great idea. Because I'll just be honest with you. I'm not talking about Republican, Democrat, or whatever. That's not what I'm talking about. But I honestly think that we have surrendered more and more of our freedom in order to get more and more security from the government. And there's a lot of people. There's a lot of people. They believe the government will take care of us. I mean, Good night, y'all. Over half the people in this country are getting free stuff from the government. I mean, that's just the reality. So, I mean, I don't guess it's free. Somebody pays for it or else they run up some more debt. But, I mean, it's like the people are becoming dependent on the government. And here's the thing. The government will not save you. I don't care what the politicians tell you. The government's not going to save you. The government's not going to save the world. And it's probably not even going to make you a better person. It's a false hope. There's another false hope, and that's called self, or just the false hope of looking at our own, our own self, our own ability. When I was in high school, I actually went to my graduation. We used to have a weird thing. We don't have this at graduation in Tiff County, but we used to have graduation speakers. And I'm not talking about the valedictorians, salutatorians, they gave get their little speech. I know we had a real live graduation guest speaker. Uh, my parents dragged me to my sister's graduation, and we had an astronaut spoke at her graduation. That's pretty legit. I mean, I was going, whoa, they got an astronaut speaking at graduation? Now, I did live in Orlando, so, you know, the Cape was close by. But when I graduated, they didn't have an astronaut. They had this local politician. He was like a uh, representative. And I remember this guy. I remember I actually paid attention to the graduation speech. I think there was me and two other guys. But I was going to be a political science major, so I was kind of interested. So this guy gets up. His name was Mr. Cook. And I'm sitting there, and he said something that they'll say to you guys at graduation, Okay. He said, you can be anything that you set your mind to being. He said that. And I'm sitting there going, that's not true. That's not true. Because I had set my mind for four years to get an, an uh, appointment to the U.S. Naval Academy. Because I wanted to go in the Navy. I wanted to fly F-4s off of the Enterprise. That's what I wanted to do. That was my goal of my life. And I had done everything possible. And I had done everything exactly right. And I don't know if you know the process. I got nominated, but they, they they'd nominate 10 people in each congressional district, and I was nominated. And I ended up being like the second guy, and the guy that beat me out was my best friend. He had only applied after I told him, hey, you ought to apply. You know, how smart was I to talk to this guy? I mean, he was, you know, he's, he's a great guy. Now a millionaire. Anyway, so it worked out good for him. But my point is I was sitting there, I was going, that's not true. You know, Catherine Rowe, the reason why, why you don't have... Dr. Rowe here, Catherine Rowe graduated from medical school last past week. That's awesome. But everybody can't be a doctor. If everybody was a doctor, who would be the patients? Everybody can't be a lawyer. If everybody was a lawyer, you know, who are they going to represent? Everybody can't play for Georgia or Florida or Alabama. They only give out 25 of those scholarships per year. Everybody can't do anything they want to. Everybody can't be president. Only one guy can be president. They're probably, at graduation this year, there are probably 10,000 students. Maybe some of y'all sitting out there going, man, one day I'm going to be president. About 9,999 and that's not going to happen to. It's okay to have dreams. It's okay to pursue your dreams as far as you can and to do, to put everything into it. But I want to tell you, ultimately, ultimately, Your set, yourself, your ability, your skills, whatever it is that you have, it can't save you. It can't save the world. And it certainly, more than likely, is not going to really make you that much better of a person. So try and do the things that that you feel like you want to do and that you feel like God's leading you to do. But realize that your hope, your hope is not in, in yourself. Your hope is not in your education. Your hope is not in the government. So now I want us to look, we're actually going to look at the Bible. I want us to look at where our hope comes from. I want you guys to look at 2 Corinthians chapter 3. This is an awesome passage. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, starting in verse 7. Here's what he says. Now if the ministry ministry that brought death, which was engraved in letters on stone, came with glory... So the Israelites could not look steadily steadily at the face of Moses because of his glory. Transitory though it was, will not the ministry of the Spirit be even more glorious? If the ministry that brought condemnation was glorious, how much more glorious is the ministry that brings righteousness? For what was glorious has no glory now in comparison with the surpassing glory. And if what was transitory came with glory. How much greater is the glory of that which lasts? Now, what's he saying? Let me try to break this down for you guys and try to make it in, in language that a high school student can understand. There was an original, there was an original plan of hope. And that original hope says it's, it's written on stone, words written on stone. What's he talking about? He's talking about the 10 commandments. And what he's saying is the Ten Commandments, and by the way, there's more than just ten. If you know the Old Testament, there's like 960 or something. I don't know the exact number. But there's like hundreds and hundreds of laws and commandments. He says those original, those original commands, they came with glory. In other words, the original hope was good. It came with glory. Why is that? Why did they come with glory? Because those commands reveal to us the nature of God. So what we have is we have all these people that have all their hope built up in things other than God, Okay? Themselves, self, you know, their, their education, maybe their, if they, their job, whatever it was, all these things, maybe their wealth, all these different things that were built up in. And then he says, hey, then along comes this command that really says, hey, it's not about all that stuff, it's about God. So that was awesome because it showed people what God was like. But there's a key here. Here's the key. It says that this original thing was transitory. Now, what does transitory mean? Well, that word in the Greek, what it really means is useless, useless. He's saying all of this stuff, all these commands, all of this stuff that the Jews were doing is useless in that it cannot save them. Now, let me kind let me of translate this into what's going on today. You see, there's a tendency... For you guys to think, well, okay, Bill, I agree with you. You know, education, okay, I'm going to get that, but that's not going to save me. Uh, you know, government, well, I'm not going to depend on that. It's not going to save me. My own skills is not going to save me. But I know what I'm going to do. Man, and, and you think this is what I want you to do, and it's not. I say, I'm going I'm to follow, and it's not really the law of the Old Testament because we don't know what the law of the Old Testament is anymore, but there's a law today. It says this, I'm going to be involved in church. I'm going to read my Bible. I'm going to tithe. I'm going to witness I'm going to raise my kids in the church. I'm going to do all of these things. Now, listen, those things are good. I'm not telling you guys not to go to church when you go off to college. You should, okay? But all those things that you do, it's like you think you've got a little checklist, a check, 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 check. And I'm going to do all this, and it's going to change my life. It's not going to work. It's useless because the original the whole point of the law, the whole point of the original thing, even the whole point of, some in some way, you guys going off to college and, you know, you won't be able to find First Baptist Tifton and so say, start going to church. And kind of you know, The whole point of all this is to get you to see what's the real hope. Because the real hope, y'all, it's not about religion. It's not about coming to something. It's not about, you know, all these spiritual or religious things that we do. The real hope. Is, let me read this to you. The real hope, as he says, all this other stuff was transitory. He says, verse 8, will not the ministry of the Spirit be even more glorious? And then he goes on in verse 10, he says, for what was glorious, that's the, the old way, the, the law, has no glory now in comparison with the surpassing glory. And then in verse 11, the glory of that which lasts. And what is he talking about? The ministry of the Spirit, a glory that lasts. Here's what he's talking about. He's talking about a relation, and I could read John further in the passage where he relates to Spirit and Jesus, whatever, but it's a relationship with Jesus Christ. That is what the real hope is, y'all. The real hope is not that you go to church. I mean, your parents are gonna go, hey, did you go to church? That's good when you, when you go off. It's not in that. It's in Jesus Christ. That's the real hope is in Jesus. And why is Jesus the real hope? Well, what does the word hope mean? The Greek word here, hope, is in uh, verse, verse 12. We're going to look at it in just a minute. The Greek word hope here means an expectation of good. An expectation of good. Listen, i got to tell you, if I was graduating right now and I didn't have Jesus Christ and I was looking at the world, the way the world's really going, I would probably come up with a little bit of despair. I'd be going... Man, if I go to college and graduate, I wonder if I'll even have a job when I get out, you know? And if I looked at some other things, I'd be going, man, what in the world is going to happen in this country? There would be a lot of despair in my life. But that's not the way that we live. Because what we have is a real hope in a real living person named Jesus who actually lives inside of us. So, no matter what happens in your life, no matter if you, you know, become like a doctor or maybe like what happened to my daughter, you know, uh, organic two is just a little above you, you know, and uh, you know, she wanted to go to dental school. She had made all straight A's till she got to organic two and she made a C and they told her at dental school admission, you know, it's too bad you made that C because you're just not going to get in. It doesn't matter. That's not where her hope, her hope was not in some career or in some education. The hope is in Jesus because he lives inside of you. And because he lives inside of us, we know no matter what happens, he's with us. And it says here that this hope is, this is something, this glory lasts. It lasts beyond this lifetime. It lasts into eternity. So when you begin to think about it, you know, even though we're, you know, we're here, we live real lives and we have real, you know, ambitions and we have struggles and things go our way and things don't go our way, that ultimately, ultimately, We have a hope that lasts past every trial and tribulation in our life and lasts through all the good times in our life. This hope is a real hope. It's a hope in a real life person that's with us all the time. So what's the conclusion of all this? What does all this mean? Because this is what I really want to get to you guys, okay? This is kind of all built up to this. So if you've been like looking at your phone or whatever, stop right now, okay? Listen to this, verse 12, I'm gonna read it again because this is so good. Therefore, since since we have such a hope, okay? You got Jesus in you, you've got that hope. Here's what he says to do, graduates. Therefore, we are very bold. Listen, guys, in just a minute, we're we're gonna commission you guys to go out. We want you to go to your campus next year and be bold about telling people about Jesus. We want you to go to your campus next year and live boldly. So many of your classmates in college, some of your classmates in high school, they live timidly. That's not the Christian life. We live boldly. I can't emphasize this to you enough. That's what it's all about. It's about knowing that Jesus Christ is in me. And because he's in me, I now live a bold life that is directed towards bringing glory to him. And ultimately, it doesn't matter how much education, what kind of job, whatever, all these things we get. It doesn't matter. If our life brings glory to Jesus, that is success. And we live boldly in that call. So what I really want to say to you guys today, I'm excited about you graduating. I think it's awesome. I mean, 45 years of doing this, I still get excited seeing you guys graduate, but go out and live boldly for the cause of Christ. However, I'll say this, if there's any of y'all or any of the rest of y'all that are here, if you don't have Jesus Christ, you've got no hope, no real hope, and you've got no real reason to live boldly. I mean, if you're going to psych yourself up, I guess you can do that for a little while, but that won't last very long. So if you're here this morning and you don't have Jesus, we're going to do this thing called an invitation, and it would take a lot of boldness for you guys to come down. And believe me, I know about how scared it is. I mean, I had to go ask that girl twice to get turned down twice. I mean, I, I mean, I go, oh my gosh, I, you know, how did I get up that much courage? But if you're here and you don't know Jesus, we invite you to come. I would be glad to talk with you about how you can know Him, and if maybe you don't have the boldness to come out this morning and walk down, I would highly encourage you to talk to somebody or to just, if you know what to do yourself, to to ask Jesus Christ to come into your life, I would highly encourage you to do that at your earliest opportunity. And don't put it off and don't go, well, when I get out of college, when I get married, when I have kids, you know, do it now. Because there's no real hope that you've got in your life, y'all. There's no real hope outside of Jesus. I don't even care. You go to church every Sunday from now until you die. That's, that is good, but that's not the hope. The hope is in having Jesus in your heart. So uh, I think Gary's going to come and lead this invitation. I'll be down at the front. If any of y'all want to respond to this, to come down, I'd be glad to share with you about Jesus Christ. If you want to become a part of our church, we we'll still do that too. And then following that, we're going to commission these young men and these young women. So... Uh, Gary's going to have us, y'all go ahead and stand up and we'll have the invitation.